Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Moses told the people to say, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. So we as followers of the Messiah, Jesus, hallelujah, that when the cloud of glory is moving, he is going to war. And we need to calibrate our minds that we're not just moving into revival or an awakening, not just church growth and people getting saved. There's more to this than just meets the eye. So I received word today from our sources in Israel that Iran is just a couple months away from acquiring nuclear weapon capability. So this speeds everything up in the Middle East right now. Uh, My son is in a commando unit, just joined, and they are training big time. I can't say much, but there is tension in the air in Israel because Israel has what is called the Samson option. The Samson option, when Samson, the last thing he did with his life is he pushed down the pillars and killed himself and all the Philistines with him. David Ben-Gurion, the early architects of the modern state of Israel, who came out of the Holocaust, said there will never again be a Holocaust of the Jewish people. We'll never again be caught unaware like we were in Europe. And if we are threatened with extinction again, we will do the Samson option, which is we will take out everybody around us. And so that is the main deterrent, that is the main deterrent in the Middle East from hundreds of thousands of Muslims, millions of jihadists overrunning our borders by sheer numbers because they know that Israel has the Samson option. Right now, our president is one of the biggest cowards I've ever seen occupy the Oval Office. We need to pray for him in this hour. Second, Israel's not going to wait around for the White House or the United Nations to do something. So let's pray right now and blow the shofars. Let's do a spontaneous strike in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you. Let's pray, first of all, that the mighty men of David would raise up in Israel. Those who would risk their lives, as it said in the song of Deborah, to go to war. Hallelujah. Let's pray for safety upon the Jewish people. Let's pray that God reveals himself in such glory as he did at the shores of the Red Sea with the bloated and dead bodies of the Egyptians and horses washing up on the Red Sea shoreline, as he did with Jehoshaphat, as he did in other times when Israel was being threatened by extermination, 
God not only defeated his enemies, but he allowed his people to enjoy the spoils of war. There is a lot of underground churches in Iran right now. They're thriving. I've met some of these believers. They love God very much. Hallelujah. The problem we have is the Prince of Persia has inhabited the current fanatical religious clerics in Tehran. We're going to blow the shofar right now that God sends a warning shot across their bow. And we will see this in the news in the days ahead. Hallelujah. Because that anointing is here to sound the shofar for exploits. <laughs> and you thought you'd just come to church to get your oil changed. Hallelujah. We prayed tonight, Father God. We stand in the gap that you would appear to the clerics, the Muslim theologians, the president, the prime minister, the military leaders, those that are filled with the spirit of anti-Semitism, those that are filled with the spirit of the Antichrist, that they would have a warning shot across their bow tonight. That handwriting would appear on their banquet wall during Ramadan. In the Persian language, in Farsi, warning them of an imminent destruction unless they repent. Lord, by faith, we stand in the gap for Israel tonight. That you show your mighty hand. You show yourself mighty in the heavens. You show yourselves mighty in the earth. That you who keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. <laughs> we pray for the peace of Jerusalem this night as Jewish people around the world are entering into the Shabbat and lighting candles. As they look up and cry out for the Messiah, Jesus, reveal yourself in the synagogues, in the homes to the lost sheep of the house of Israel in this hour. Israel. Ooh, 
Lord, we pray for an upheaval in Iran. If you choose to use the Israeli Air Force, let them target places they had no idea. But if you choose to show your own glory, Father, we ask that you would send an earthquake and swallow up those underground reactors. Hallelujah. <laughs> As it was in the days of Esther. Hallelujah. And we ask for a great revival to hit Iran. A revival in the Farsi language. Radical. Holy Ghost. Book of Acts. And let it spread, Lord, to the Hezbollah, to Hamas, to every Iranian proxy throughout the world today. Yeah. Reap for yourself a harvest from the God of this world. Plunder the Prince of Persia's camp tonight. And we give you praise and glory. Keep your eyes on the newspapers. <laughs> this night, hallelujah. Lord, I pray for wisdom upon Benjamin Netanyahu, upon the leaders of Israel, that you would give them clarity. You would give them Holy Ghost spontaneity. You would cause them to make the decisions that need to be done. I pray that you come and scare the snot of Obama and this administration, the United Nothing, the EU, and those that would pressure the nation of Israel in this hour. Bring a warning. Send prophets and prophetesses into their camp, even now. Dreams and visions, terrors of the night. Uh huh. Yeah. And Lord, I pray this days of all season, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, as we enter in the next few weeks, the days of all, that churches worldwide would understand their Jewish roots. That you would dispel and evaporate anti-Semitism, replacement theology out of the pulpits. That a great army of believers would rise up to comfort and bring in the prodigal son called Israel. <laughs> and may you receive all the glory and honor and praises. May you be glorified and honored through this day. For we love you, Lord. We worship you. We thank you for this night. We thank you that these are the best meetings on planet Earth this night. Be glorified for you love the smell of barbecued flesh. Be glorified, oh Lord. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, somewhere tonight we're going to talk about something that's really deep. Hallelujah.
we got filet melon and New York strip, hallelujah. <laughs> but I think we need to sing a celebration song, hallelujah, for the victory in Iran, hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's turn our Bibles this evening to Psalms 68. Glory to God forevermore. We welcome all those that are visiting Seattle, right? <laughs> Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Hallelujah. Everybody look around. This is uh, Brian. He's a close friend. Hallelujah. We welcome him from coming down from the uh, close to the tundra up there anyway. Glory to God. I know there's some phone calls coming in from L.A. Some folks want to come from L.A., so you may want to check the, the voice recorder on the, the office phone. People trying to get directions, so I say, come on down. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Psalm 68. And uh, this is fresh manna for all of us this evening. Glory to God. Are you ready? Yeah. Now, you'll notice in the meetings that as we gather that there's times of refreshing come after you repent. And as we break open our hearts last night, joy comes the next night. You'll see the ebbs and flows of meetings where we go deeper into repentance and godly sorrow, that the next night is just, yeah, glory, hallelujah. So uh, you don't want to miss some of these off nights. I mean, last night was a Thursday night. I love Monday and Thursday meetings, hallelujah. Just because the hungry folks come out and God usually gives us a, exquisite flamion hallelujah but i'm here because there's a chemistry in the holy ghost that god wants to release for california and worldwide hallelujah and i thoroughly believe that when we pray lord let these be the best services on planet earth tonight hallelujah you said if we ask anything in the name of yeshua you would do it hallelujah and i sense angelic activity i sense you know the joy of the lord i sense the prophetic warfare, I love it, hallelujah. And uh, we're going to come into the days when people will be in meetings like this and we get translated, just like Philip, hallelujah. He got translated from the revival meeting down to Gaza, hallelujah, to meet one man, an Ethiopian eunuch, glory to God. So uh, get your passports in your back pocket, hallelujah. Or you may not need it, who knows. I will have no problem if God transported us right into a Holy Ghost meeting in Tehran, hallelujah. Yeah. And those greater works are coming in these days ahead. Now it says in Psalm 68, it's a psalm of David. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Let God arise, let his enemies be splattered or scattered. Hallelujah. <laughs> now this, this theme that we hear, God is good all the time, God is good, you know. It's kind of a soft, effeminate, spineless, Winnie the Pooh um, uh, bait to get you into church and become a tithing base in these seeker-sensitive places. Let's be honest. I went to a, a church growth seminary, and it became cemetery. It was all about numbers, 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 numbers. And we were taught how to preach homiletically and how to keep things uh, timed down, which I said to one professor, you know, we mean, you want us to preach for 15 minutes? You mean our time is according to people's gluteus maximus? Well, in one way, yes. You mean to tell me you're teaching us, nothing wrong with these things, but just understand what I'm trying to say. You mean to say that we are experts from the crib to the grave? 
that we can get 500 people in a meeting, the Baptists do it all the time, and just get them busy with the Sunday school programs and then start a Christian school and a senior. Come on, folks. And never understand that the community or the angel of the Lord that is over that church wants to do war. Hallelujah. Not just stroke people nicely and have entertainment. We are called to raise up disciples, not converts. Hallelujah. Raise up disciplined warriors. Amen. And I'll tell you something. I'm having more fun now than ever before. Hallelujah. Because all the buddies I went to school with at ORU, they may have churches of four or 5,000 people, but they're dying inside. When I look at them, they look 20 years older than me. You got what you asked for. You wanted 4,000 diapers to change? Go ahead. They <laughs> say, so, oh, we remember those days in Soul Patrol and being warriors and casting out devils. You know, one guy called me up I went to school with. God bless him. He lives in Florida. And he called me up and said, Scott, we're hearing some exciting things going on with you. We'd like you to come and, and you know, stir up our people. I says, okay, Gary, that'd be nice. He says, uh, I, we're a little bit different than what you're doing, Gary. Well, let me just say, you can only preach for 15 minutes. And if you want to pray for the sick, you have to do so in a side room. I said, you mean to tell me you want me to come and stroke your people, get them excited, that there are subtle signs and wonders happening today, and that you won't let the Holy Ghost be the guest of honor? I'm just a messenger. What about the guest of honor, the Holy Ghost? If you don't want the Holy Ghost, you're ashamed of him, then I'm ashamed of you. See you in the millennium, I hope. And that's what it's coming down to right now. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. And we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and not be polluted by the winds of doctrine that are blowing, okay? Let me give you an example of a wind of doctrine. Now, some of you may blow some head gaskets. Hold on. Don't get mad, okay? Just understand what's happening. There was a movement, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and it was billed as a great revival, awakening of men, 80,000 men in a Jacksonville stadium, in a, in a football stadium, NFL stadiums, whatever, and 80,000 men singing Amazing Grace is pretty awesome. Hallelujah. And they had testimonies about how they've been unfaithful and they need to be faithful and all these things and how they're going to keep their promise. And the whole thing, after a while, did what? It evaporated. Why? Because it began to take the place of the local church of discipleship. It was run by men who had a great heart, but the people that pulled the strings financially were people that did not want the Holy Ghost to manifest. And God pulled the plug on it. Another reason God pulled the plug on it, because the men couldn't keep their promise. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> and so these are good ideas, and these are what I call winds of doctrine, man-made ideas. Men to get together and say, we need to get, do something to get the men into the church. We've got to do something to have revival, okay? And they come up with these things, and they actually do it to make a Unitarian an approach where all the churches would be accepted into it. And it gets marketing. Americans are great at marketing, aren't we? And we get that thing ranked up. And let me tell you something. Before we know it, we've created a monster. We've got to feed, okay? And people uh, jump on the bandwagon, and we waste more time. We spin our wheels more. We waste resources. Come on, folks. We need true warriors in this hour in the pulpits. Hallelujah. 
We need Deborahs, not a bunch of Baraks who don't want to go to battle, okay? We need men and women of God that will go back to the Word of God and read what the Word says and go back to the simple basics of the Scriptures. Let the Scriptures interpret themselves. Hallelujah. And let's move forward. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And we see here, <laughs> let God arise, let his enemies be scattered or splattered. You say, well, God is good all the time. God is good. Of course he's good. But his definition of goodness is not our definition of goodness. Thank you for your enthusiasm tonight. Oh, God is good. His mercy endures forever. Psalms 136. Beautiful in Hebrew. But keep on reading Psalms 136. God is good. His mercy endures forever. To him who slew Agog. <laughs> Let's not read that one. May their little ones be dashed against the stones. Oh, we don't want to read those scriptures anymore. I am the one who creates evil and darkness. Oh, well, that's Old Testament. No, it's not. Come on. We can't pervert the real message. God only confirms his word, not our word. God is good, okay? But let's let that goodness not filter through us. Let us filter through the Word of God. And God is arising this hour, and He says, let God arise and let His enemies be splattered or scattered. Where did that come from, Psalm 68? It comes from a commandment in Numbers chapter 10. Now, brothers and sisters, we're moving, Numbers chapter 10, we're moving into the days of all this month. Hallelujah. The days of all on the biblical calendar is the days of Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, uh, Sukkot, it's the ma major feast of Israel outside of Pentecost and Passover where people were commanded to celebrate this. Even the Sukkot will be, is commanded in Zechariah. Those who do not celebrate the Sukkot or tabernacles, no rain will fall on them in the millennium. So it's a pattern of worship. It's a pattern of repentance. This is the time that the farmers in Israel are, it's hot, it's humid, just like here, hot, dry, I mean, you name, no rain, and they're going out there in this hot weather, and they're digging in the plows deep into the soil and tearing up last year's growth, hallelujah, and getting ready for the early rains to come. This is the time to put the plow blade deep inside your soul and <laughs> pull up every skeleton, okay? Everything that should not be there. And break up the ground so God's rains can fall upon you. Hallelujah. It's also a time of prophetic activity. Now, Jesus is already, Jesus is the feast, by the way. Jesus is the Shabbat. You know, truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. Healing is not a power flow. Healing is a person. Hallelujah. Jesus is the Shabbat. Glory to God. Whether you want to, you know, set Saturday apart, you know, or Sunday, I mean, let no man judge you, take you to task over what day you serve the Lord in, Colossians says, because it's all in Jesus. He is the Jubilee. He is Tabernacles. Hallelujah. He is the Yom Kippur. Woo! And this is the time. Jesus already filled Passover. He already filled Pentecost. But tabernacles is in the process of being fulfilled. This is the time that the fruit is coming in. Dolly, my wife called me, and we have a mango tree in our yard. Oh, it's awesome. Hallelujah. I don't know if you were there when we had some of that mango fruit, but it's, oh, this, this fruit is incredible. Hallelujah. 
And she was telling me, well, all the mangoes are <laughs> yellow and they're delicious. I, Don't tell me that. <laughs> this is the time that all the fruit is, the produce is coming in from the fields in Israel. Hallelujah. And this is the time of tabernacles. Now, of course, Satan throws in his counterfeit, Halloween. Okay? And I think Halloween would be a great time where we don't go hide in the churches and have harvest parties to hide our kids. I think we need to go with our kids out there dressed in camouflage, hallelujah, and paint on their faces and go out there and talk about Jesus, hallelujah. Anyway. So this is the time we are looking toward harvest coming in, hallelujah. Now it says here in Numbers chapter 10 that there is the commandment to blow the trumpets. Now, for the sake of time tonight, let's go to verse 33. Thus they set out from the mount of the Lord three days' journey with the ark of the covenant of the Lord journeying in front of them. That's Numbers 10, 33. For three days to seek out a resting place for them. So there's two signs of blowing the shofar, the silver trumpets being the premier sign to the camp. Number one, when the cloud moved... It was not just because God wanted to do something exciting and we're all going somewhere. God in his sovereignty, when he decides to move and we follow the heavenly GPS cloud, it's because he wants to go to war. So when we say new day church, when we say God is doing a new thing, when we say the new birth, hallelujah, it's all in the context of war. Because this is not our home, hallelujah. We're just pilgrims passing through, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all, if you look at the macro and come off the milk of the word, hallelujah, and start eating shish kebab, glory to God, you're going to see in this hour that God gets great glory through showing himself mighty in battle. You say, well, the devil's been defeated. Of course he was defeated at Calvary, okay? But there's other scriptures here that says, I want you to be wise in what is good, innocent in what is evil, and the God of Shalom will crush Satan under your feet. So there's still, the war's been won, but there's still battles to fight. And we can't just, you know, have a bomb shelter mentality and be in a beautiful facility, comfortable here, okay, and just say, well, God, do everything here. It's out there. We're being prepped to go out there. And you know those things, okay. But you have to understand, the image of God has been warped in our modern generation. The rabbis thought there must be two messiahs. They read the scriptures, they said, well, there's a Mashiach ben Yosef, a Messiah, the son of Joseph, who'd be suffering, rejected, beaten, spit upon, his beard plucked out, Isaiah 53 says, and, and rejected by his brother, just like Joseph was. Then they saw another reigning military conqueror who they called Mashiach ben David, or the Messiah, son of David. And they said, there must be two Messiahs. Uh, one Messiah, two different comings. He came as a suffering servant. He came rejected. He came, come on folks, you're with me. He came as the good shepherd. Okay, and you see a little picture of Jesus, you know, holding a lamb, you know, like, oh, isn't that so sweet? Oh. We're not talking about Sunday school pictures for children right now, okay? Jesus ain't coming back as a shepherd. He's not coming back as Jophus. He's coming back as Adonai Tzvaot, the Lord, the commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. Hallelujah. 
And if you want to get an image of who Jesus is, glory to God, don't look at his humanity. Look at who he really is. Because the demons cried out, we know who you are. If you come to torment us, and he said, shuck it, shut up, and come out. Because they knew who he was. They were... Get your eyes off this humanity of Jesus, okay? He's already fulfilled that. He's coming back with his eyes a flame of fire, his feet like in burnished bronze. Hallelujah. The sound of his voice is like the sound of many waters. Who is this man who stills the sea? Hallelujah. <laughs> That'll fire up your faith. Hallelujah. Not some effeminate looking, weak Jesus movies. I don't like those things. My Jesus don't look like that. You know, then we get into the thing, you know, where, uh, you know, people argue, well, Jesus looks Chinese or he looks black, you know. It's like, wait a minute, stop. He's olive skin, a mixture of it all, okay? Red, yellow, black, and white. Olive, Hallelujah. Then they, people get to think, well, did Jesus speak Koine or Greek? Or did he speak Hebrew or Aramaic? And Jesus spoke whatever he wanted, okay? <laughs> people get into this, you know, these side tangents. We have to look at him as Revelation chapter 1. He is coming back for war. And if you don't like war, it's because of fear. And if you have a taproot of fear, it's the fear of death, which is the last enemy. And his perfect love will drive out all fear. Hallelujah. It's time for a royal flush tonight. Glory to God. Where you fear nothing except him. And you become demonstrative in your faith. Hallelujah. And you believe in hyperboles. Glory to God. And you get into a place where nothing's impossible. Because greater is he who is in you than any antichrist that's in this world. Hallelujah. So Numbers chapter 10, God rose up, okay? Verse 34, and the cloud of the Lord was over them by day when they set out from the camp. And it came about when the ark set out, Moses said, Kumi Adonai, arise, O Lord. This word arise is kumi in Hebrew. It's the same, you heard that song before, Rise, shine, your light has come. Take it out of the song, wrong melody, somebody write a new melody to it. It's night, arise, shine. It's get up! Kumi is the same word I yell to my kids when they oversleep and miss school. It's not, oh, sweetie, get up. Would you like your eggs over easy? You like oatmeal this morning. Please get up. You're late for school. You done! Yell, get up! That's the word here. It's the same word used for the resurrection of the dead. When Jesus looked at that young damsel, he said, Telekumi, hallelujah! He spoke to her, get up! And she got up, and there was a lot of joy in that house. Hallelujah! So the idea of arising for war is the same idea in Hebrew of resurrection of the dead. So when God starts putting together the sinews and the flesh, hallelujah, upon the Jewish people, the Ezekiel's army, and he breathes in them to life, it's not just a, oh, hallelujah, bunch of toy soldiers. It's for war. We need to raise up warriors, not a bunch of people that just want the good life. 
To me, the good life is the smell of napalm in the morning. Hallelujah. It's not how the next series of Lexus I can get. God can, listen, folks, prosperity is for war. It's not for self-indulgence. Just get it right in your head. God doesn't mind you having a nice house. He minds a nice house having you. It's how you look at it. You know, I don't need a Rolls Royce in Israel. Hallelujah. I like a Hummer. Glory to God. We got shrapnel all over the road over there. You know, what do I need a Ferrari for? I, I can only bring one other person in church in it. That's just how I think, you know what I'm saying? So it's, you have to start mobilizing for war, okay? You have to start thinking, okay? We, this is the final battle of time. We're on it right now. Hallelujah. Don't you feel it? And I, when God, it is so easy to, to flow in the Spirit and to draft behind what God's doing right now. And it's not a big deal. And you know, the big thing most Christians don't want because they live in secret sin, okay? When you have a knowledge of sin, it brings you into bondage, slavery, okay? And you're afraid of the devil. And people are afraid of backlash. Like when I was blowing the shofar, people were afraid. Well, you shouldn't be taking on the prince of Persia. My brother-in-law did that. You know, he lost all of his teeth, you know. It's like, what? Well, don't don't you base your theology on your brother-in-law's experience. (laughs) Listen, we go after these big dogs all the time, and I don't have any problems. Hallelujah. I'm not dysfunctional, you know. I'm not... Some guy writes a book called The Casualties of War, you know? I was like, yeah, that's the biggest bunch of nonsense. That, you know what that book is for? A bunch of scared women. You know what I'm saying? Women don't get mad at me, but it's the truth. There's ministers that will play upon your fears, okay? Women loaded down with sin. They come in to, Peter says. Oh, you can go preaching here. The best thing, listen, God wants Rambos and Ramboettes right now. That's the best way to get out of any dysfunctional situation you may be in. Hallelujah. He that waters, others should be watered himself. Don't keep on looking for, you know, some type of um, codependence, you know what I'm saying? You start a well. You dig a well. You start a fight. You go out there and do something. Hallelujah. And God will bless it. You do when you go shopping. Come on. Hallelujah. Just take that same zeal toward heaven. And men, don't let your wives run the fight. They're not built to handle the stress. Hallelujah. They're built to draft behind you. Glory to God and help you. Men, time to rise up. Hallelujah. You say, what if I get martyred? Praise God. Hallelujah. When we cast our crowns of life before him, hallelujah, those who are martyred stand up and throw a second crown. Hallelujah. (laughs) And you get to walk around eternity with the marks of martyrdom on your glorified body. What an honor. No, I'm not looking to die. Hallelujah. But if we do die and it's our time, hallelujah, we're going to take out as many devils with us. Glory to God. People say, well, people say, Scott, when's the rapture? I says, I don't care when the rapture is. I just want to be the last one out of here, kicking devils and winning souls. Hallelujah. Lord, can I stay back like, you know, be the last one in the helicopter coming out of here? Hallelujah. One more soul. Hallelujah. 
I'm not looking for escape clause. I'm not looking to get out of here. I'm not looking. Come on, folks. Because you have to turn your thinking toward war. Now it goes on and says here, Arise, O Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered. So when the shofars are blown, especially Yom Teruah, hallelujah, and it says, Blessed are the people that know that joyful sound. The word joyful sound in Hebrew is Teruah. Teruah. Blessed are the people that know the sound of war. Hallelujah. That comes out of that twisty horn. Glory to God. (laughs) Rise up, O Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered. Let those who hate thee flee before thee. One thing you have to understand, there's not everybody is going to be born again. There are people that have been predestined like Pharaoh. They have been hardened. They're sons of perditions. They are clouds without water. And God wants to take them out to give glory to himself. Don't talk to me about theology. Read the Bible and talk to God about it, okay? God purposely created Pharaoh to show his glory in all the earth. God has purposely created people, okay, communities in San Francisco or whatever, okay, that are left as liberal tree huggers, okay, that hate God. And he's giving them over to that spirit, Romans 1. We studied that last night, two days ago. He gives them over to that, okay? And no no matter how much we preach and witness to them, they're not going to get saved because they're not in God's plan. Even though God wants all men to be saved, come knowledge of truth, he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, Ezekiel says. Hallelujah. He has determined who is going to be saved and who isn't. So don't waste your time beating against the wrong tree, okay? Look for those that are ready. I've changed my soul-winning tactics. I don't witness to everybody anymore. I look for that one, the Lord says, that one there. Ooh, yes, sir. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, you get people to pray a prayer, especially if they're suffering, going through problems, but it doesn't mean they get saved. We got to wait for some fruit. Hallelujah. Okay. So, let those who hate thee flee before thee. There is people that absolutely hate God. That absolutely detest him. And God wants to get glory for himself. And when he rises up, when the cloud, when we're feeling the cloud is moving, it's because he wants to go to war. Hallelujah. And when the war is finished, or the battle, verse 36, and when it came to rest, he said, return, O Lord, to the myriads of thousands of Israel. There is war and rest. Hallelujah. War and rest. Glory to God. Battle and leave. Hallelujah. And we need to know the times and seasons what the Lord is doing in this hour. Go back with me to Psalm 68. Psalm 68, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. It goes on and says here, as smoke is driven away, so drive them away as wax must before the fire. Let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be glad, let them exult before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. Sing to the Lord, or sing to God, or sing praise his name. Lift up a song for him who rides through the deserts. So the staging area where God does something new is in the desert of Israel, or for those who don't live in Israel, it is the desert or the barren place in your life. The same Hebrew word for the holy place is the same Hebrew word for desert in Hebrew. Hallelujah. So your desert is your holy place. Don't ask God to get out of the desert because it's in the desert God does something new in you. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. When your money and your talents, and you know, we talked about this last night, when you can't do it, you're nothing, that's when God creates something. He brings us into the wilderness to get the wild out of us. Hallelujah. Woo! When you're filled with new baptisms of the Spirit, okay, be ready to be driven into the desert to be tested. Jesus went down to the first river meeting, John the Baptist. Hallelujah. I love how John the Baptist invited all the people to the river meeting. Hallelujah. He didn't say we welcome all our visitors this Sunday morning. We got free parking spaces for you and all these other things. He said, you brood of vipers. <laughs> Who told you to come here this morning? <laughs> You're right. Again, I'm telling you, we need to change our message. Trying. Hallelujah. Pray for me. <laughs> And Jesus came out of the river, and the Bible says he didn't go to Galilee first. It says he was driven by the Spirit to be tested. Now, the Greek word for driven is ikbalo. It's where we get the word ball, to throw. It's the same word used to drive out demons. In my name you shall ikbalo, you shall drive out devils. So the same force we drive out demons is the same force Jesus was driven by the Spirit, hallelujah, to be tested. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not here to tell you, hey, great things are going to happen, and you know, you sow into our ministry. Yes, it's going to happen. But who says then the timetable's up to God? Who says you don't get a fresh baptism tonight? Hallelujah. And God doesn't send you, drives you into a place to test you to find out if there's any stress fractures in your fuselage you can't see and know about. And I welcome testing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I don't want to break up at Mach 2. How about you? And so it's these ebbs and flows. Hallelujah. And then out of the Spirit, out of the testing, you return in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Hallelujah. But again, it doesn't stop there. Because Jesus' first sermon, he came out of the, out of, out of the desert. What was it? Luke 4. He says, oh, this has been Joseph. This is Joseph's son. You know, I tried to get Rebecca connected with him, but he was said he was always about his father's business. Look, this is, this is Joseph's son. Listen to him preach in the synagogue. Awesome. You know how Jewish moms are. It's the truth. And he said to the people, what did he say? Good to see everybody this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> He said, surely you didn't listen. He said three things and they wanted to kill him. Remember that? I remember that. Did I teach this before when I was here? You don't remember? Okay, come on. Let's go. Real quick. We got time. Look, I'm trying to tell you that what we're hearing in the Christian media outlets is not what we're reading in the Bible. You can believe me or not, but I've been... In Israel, without any Christian media, and I come back and I'm shocked. Luke 4, verse 20. He said to them, no doubt you'll quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever was heard or done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months and a great famine came over all the earth. And Elijah was sent to none of them except to Zarephath, the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed but Naaman the Syrian. And all in the synagogue 
were praising God. No, they were filled with rage and they wanted to kill him. And I'll take you to Nazareth and show you that big cliff. Nobody survives that cliff. Well, this has been Yosef. This is Joseph's son. And in three verses, they want to kill him. Why? Ever thought why? Well, I'll tell you why. Verse 25. These are the days of Elijah. Be careful singing that song. Da, 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 da. You know what the days of Elijah were? Famine. Like Ethiopia, Somalia, dead babies, people full of skin conditions because of malnutrition, people dying left and right, no food. You want the days of Elijah? Maybe God's going to bring the days of Elijah to bring down the God, the Baal system of America, which is the almighty dollar. Lord, if that's your will, do it. And it says here, he was sent, Elijah was sent to nobody to Zer- except to Zarephath. And in Zarephath, he, a Syrophoenician woman, he multiplied her oil. Remember that? And she had enough to live on. Glory to God. Why her? Why did he go to the Lebanese coastline, just south of Beirut, and not take care of God's own covenant people? Because he went to Zarephath, which was the hometown of Jezebel, to bless Jezebel's community. Come on, folks. You start thinking like this, okay? This is the Bible now. Israel was possessed with Baal worship. Who brought Baal worship to Israel? Jezebel. Baal worship, Baal in Hebrew, is the storm god the Canaanites worshipped. Baal also means husband or master. And so when they no longer were listening to the prophets, God raised up a woman, and she brought from her heathen background a religion that's very close to the Mosaic law, but different. See, Baal promised if you pray to him and sacrifice that he'll bring the rains. You know, the, it falls on agricultural society, crops grow, prosperity ensues, right? But it doesn't have the stipulations of the law of Moses. Baal worship today is praying for prosperity with no cross message. Send us the rain, all these things, but don't tell me to die to self. And Baal worship continues, if you look in the book of Revelation, and that's the seat of Jezebel's power right now. You should be excited because we just pushed her out and the dogs are going to eat her up. Hallelujah. (laughs) Her strength, her energy, come on, is in deceiving God's people to pray, come on, for the rain and for prosperity and all these things, but not follow the law. Hmm. And God wanted to bless her for her mission that she did. You say, that's too much. Well, read the next one. It's even crazier. No wonder they wanted to kill him. And who says God won't do this today? Come on, folks. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who says he will not do this? And who are we to tell God you can only move like this and not like this? I want God to move. Hallelujah. He can move any way he wants to. Hallelujah. I want to see revival. I want to see people born again. Amen. I want to see souls get born again. But, you know, our, our fancy marketing techniques have not really brought an awakening to North America. 
To keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is a sign of mental illness. So we're crying out. Everybody's crying out with their hearts, okay? And God just sent me here to fill in the gaps, okay? Fill in the spaces here. To tell you, this is what the Scripture says about awakening, about revival. Don't be thinking about different things. Okay? This is it. You say, oh, it's too radical. Well, you know, come on. When you first got saved and raised your hands and spoke in tongues, that was pretty radical 30 years ago, wasn't it? Don't stop now. The next one is heavy, verse 27. And there are many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed but Naaman the Syrian. Why was there so many lepers in the follow-up ministry of Elijah, the double portion anointing on Elisha? Why? Because he came in with the next group of people that were suffering malnutrition because of the famine during Elijah, and any type of skin condition falls under the category of leprosy. Okay? And none of the children of Israel were healed except Naaman a Syrian. Who's Naaman the Syrian? Naaman the Syrian went back to Assyria and was hired by the king of Assyria to become the chief architect, commander-in-chief of the Assyrian army who came in 721 a few years later and holocausted the ten tribes of Israel, butchered them as worse, as bad as the Nazis would have. The Assyrians were feared for their tactics. God healed this man so he can come back and be a Hitler type. It's right here in the scriptures. If you say you want references, email me. I'll send you the books. You can read them. Not send you the books. I'll send you the reference. You can buy the books, okay? And deal with it. Because this is why they wanted to kill Jesus. Because he was right. There comes a time when the cup of iniquity of a generation is filled and judgment comes, okay? And God sends prophets not just to foretell, okay? They come to warn. They come to tell us, okay? Things are about to happen in this culture. You better get right because this thing is happening very quickly. And God is blessing our enemies to bring judgment on his people to wake them up. He says, I am, he said, Cyrus is my anointed. Nebuchadnezzar, I'm raising up Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem. Who says God hasn't raised up bin Laden and his cronies, Okay? who are like ghosts, and we can't even find where these guys are in the mountains of Pakistan and Afghanistan, okay? And they've traumatized the entire culture of the West. I told you I did a study on this. I'm convinced about it. This is my opinion, that as soon as the seeker-sensitive messages and, and user-friendly messages began to take over the churches of North America, and churches got a hold of that, and then church growth happened, and knowingly, we shut the doors of worship, okay? We have three or four songs that call it worship. Come on. Have you ever been to those services? We shut the doors of worship, and we unknowingly released a monster called terrorism. I have a teaching on it. I don't have time to teach on about it tonight. People say, where did Bin Laden come from? Who is this guy? You see, brothers and sisters, I believe that we are in an hour where God is using our enemies to afflict us. You say, where did Obama come from? The guy was hardly even... He was a junior senator, you know. He just came out of nowhere. And we see what's happening. People are gasping, you know. And Rush Limbaugh's got plenty of material, you know, for the next 20 years, you know. And so does Fox News. Okay, whatever. But I'm not interested in just trying to get all worked up and seeing the bad things. I want to go to the root of it. Hallelujah. 
And Lord, if it takes this to wake up the church, hallelujah, let's go for it. Prosper it, Lord. Throw kerosene on it. Hallelujah. Woo! And you say, where is that in the Bible? Read Lamentation. Read Jeremiah. Read the prophets. Hallelujah. What happened for our instruction? Anyway, moving right along. Psalm 68. Mm-hmm. Psalm 68, verse 4, sing to God, sing praises, and lift up a song for him who rides to the deserts. So it's in our desert that God visits you, and he comes on the wings of a new song. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. That's why these meetings, we're going to start getting into the song of the Lord. New things are going to happen, and God's going to ride in on those songs. Hallelujah. In our desert experience. Ha <laughs> ha! Verse 5, a father of the fatherless, a judge for the widows, is God in its holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in the proch land. O God, will not just go forth for thy people when this march through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens dropped rain at the presence of God. Hallelujah. Let's go on down to verse 11. The Lord gives the command, the women who proclaim the good news are a great army. So the first thing that happens when God arises and wants to go to war and, def and destroy those who hate him is that he starts to gather his people into the desert. And those who don't re repent and stay in rebellion will stay in that parched area. But those who don't will get the song of the Lord. Hallelujah. And when God gives the word, the first people that hear it are the women. Thank you for your enthusiasm, ladies. In Hebrew... It's Nikivah. It's not Zuchar, which is masculine. It's feminine here. When the Lord gives the word, great is the army of women who publish it. Hallelujah. Some translations say women. Other ones say host. Okay, it's the same concept. Why? Because sisters are, well, one way to describe it, and don't try to get all weird on me, okay? Just understand that the masculine side of God is justice and judgment, Okay? And the feminine side of God is the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's a woman. Please don't. But the Holy Spirit in Hebrew, ruach, is feminine. Okay? So whatever reason we understand is that women seem to be able to pick up on the Spirit sometimes quicker than these males that are beached on their couches like walrus watching reruns of NASCAR. But women, you can't run with it, even though God's given you the gift of gab. And you can spread this new thing God's doing real quick. Okay? You have to wait for the men to come alongside. Hallelujah. Because you are not built to run with this thing. You're built to communicate this thing. Hallelujah. But you're not run, built to run with it. Hallelujah. It says in verse 17, the chariots of God are myriads, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them at Sinai in holiness. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captive thy captives. They received gifts among men, among the rebellious that the Lord may dwell there. Verse 18 is the key to the entire structure of the officers of the local church. Why? Because this is quoted in Ephesians chapter 5. He ascended on high. 
He gave gifts unto men. Come on, hallelujah. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist for the equipping of the saints. Come on, folks, hallelujah. So we see this equipping of apostles and prophets and pastors being raised up spontaneously under this new wave that God is doing is not just apostles and prophets like we think they are. They're warriors. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. They are people who are not afraid of the enemy, who want to possess and take out land. And our purpose is to equip you. Hallelujah. Why? So you'll not be deceived by the winds of doctrine. The cunning craftiness of men. Amen. Hallelujah. We're here to put a whooping on the devil that's been deceiving you. Hallelujah. A good old country whooping. Hallelujah. And so this pattern of war, notice what I'm trying to build tonight for you, okay? Very simply, very systematically, when God wants to go to war, the first sign is the trumpets blowing, hallelujah, especially in this season of the days of awe. And God goes to war, he meets with his people in the desert, hallelujah. And in this desert experience, he gives the word. And the people that hear it are a great army of women, hallelujah. But also in this environment, that's when he pours out new apostles and new prophets and new pastors and new teachers. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. And this is quoted here in Ephesians 5. And this Psalm 68 is directly quoted in the, in the Song of Deborah. So we know that these apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers are on the pattern of the judges. Uh-huh. Not the kingship, because not never approved of the kingship. Come on, folks. Come on. Come on. Let's just let the Bible interpret itself. Judges. I'm not talking about people who are lawyers that went to Harvard Law School, okay, and there's some, you know, circuit court judge. I'm talking about the word judge in Hebrew, shoftim, are champions. Come on. Hallelujah. They're nobodies. They're not based on pedigree. Little Gideon back there, you know, little Gideon. And the angel appears as, El, he says, uh, Ish Gibor, which means you mighty man of valor. He's like, what? Me? Come on. I love it. Hallelujah. Don't you love it? You don't need a seminary degree. Hallelujah. You don't need a piece of paper that's saying you've been annotated or supposedly anointed or whatever, okay? All you need is a visitation from heaven. Whew. And it's for war. That's all it is. It's for war. God wants to rise. He wants to go forward. Oh, glory to God. Now, Ephesians chapter 5. You're doing great tonight. You're pulling the word out. Let's keep on going now. That's the salad. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. So we see the end of Ephesians. Finally, brethren, this is final thing. Final thing I'm gonna say to you: put on the full armor of God. Come on, that's it, man. Final thing I'm gonna say to you: put on the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God. You may stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. And many of you know you can read this here, but I want to let you know that this armor has been not properly taught. It's not a Roman armor and trying to study a Roman soldier. Paul's not talking about some heathen 
Roman soldier, okay? He's talking about God's armor. And what is God's armor? I'm glad you asked. Isaiah 59. So notice here, the final thing God does, he wants us to put on his armor. What, to sit around and have a ball, you know, and, you know, drink champagne and everybody dressed up in their medals, you know? No, we're talking about camo. We're talking about flak jackets. Hallelujah. We're about night vision. Do some recon up the river of God looking for POWs in the prison camps of sin. Hallelujah. Hooah! Isaiah 59 and verse 15, second part. Now the Lord saw it was displeasing in his sight. There was no justice. Isn't that cool? There's no justice. You know, the last spirit that's on the Messiah before he returns is the spirit of justice. Did you know counterterrorism and all those things fall under the Department of Justice? Did you know that we can go to places and tell the highway patrol officer, I'm praying for you? Not just your safety. I'm praying that you have an increase of the spirit of justice, but you carry that sword or that Glock for a purpose, okay? And I'm going to pray that you find all the child molesters that have been missing in this 20-mile radius here. Why aren't there more Christian? Why did the police departments have to go to the psychics for? The paranormal. The abnormal. Why don't they come to the church and say, can you pray about this, Pastor? Can you guys come in and intercede about this? Hallelujah. I know God answers your prayers. Hallelujah. Justice. Well, you can't have justice if you're living in injustice. If you're not rendering to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, how can you expect to move in God's justice? If you're not paying your taxes, come on. If you're not paying the speed limit. Why do I need to live holy? So God will love me? No, so you can have authority. Hallelujah. So you can operate in the heaven, in the highway of holiness, Isaiah 35. Come on. It's not about, you know, having your hair in a bun. Come on. And not showing your arms, you know, and wearing certain things and eating certain things. Come on, folks. It's all about living right. So you can put the devil to flight. Well, brother, I'd like to go see a movie. Go ahead. Get some devils ping-ponging around in your brain. Go ahead. Well, you know, I, the reason you're going to movies is because you have a bored personal life. And I'm going to step on your toes tonight and pray for them. Even if they get black with blisters. I don't care. Hallelujah. Don't go and relive your life through some video game on the Internet. Come on, young people. Hallelujah. Go out there. The book of Acts has no amen on it. It's still being written. Hallelujah. Go out there and do exploits. Why do you need to watch Hollywood? You know how many Christians are just mesmerized by entertainment? It's entered in and attained them. Trying. You say, well, uh, can't we have a little fun and relaxation? You're going to have more fun obeying God than you are watching some demon-possessed, God-hating, leftist, liberal, sodomite on the big screen entertain you. Well, how about 
sports. Well, what about sports? Are you doing it to keep physically in shape, or are you doing it because you need entertainment? <sighs> oh, it's really getting quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you can do what you want, okay? All I know is I'm having the blast of my life. Hallelujah. And I'm not consumed whether Green Bay wins or not, okay? Or whether I'm mad at Brett Farr and have to get prayed for for unforgiveness, okay, because he went to be a Viking. <laughs> All I'm saying is that men are called to subdue and conquer. Hallelujah. And if we're not allowed to subdue and conquer demons and take land, hallelujah, and if we're held back, then we'll go after a pigskin or, a, you know, get a new bass fishing boat or something else, okay? Because we're called to subdue and conquer. Just recalibrate it back to the kingdom of God. It's a lot more fun casting 50 devils out of somebody in the 7-Eleven parking lot. Hallelujah. <laughs> than it is, you know, trying to get in the fantasy football league. Ooh. You know, all these Super Bowl parties. I don't know how many people really get saved by these Super Bowl parties. Anyway, I'll try to be quiet here. I don't know. Maybe I should talk about it a little more. You know the word sports in Hebrew is the same word they use for dancing around the golden calf? And you know this pastor called me, I don't know, about 15 years ago. First idea that comes to my mind. Young people, don't flake out on me now. Come on. Hallelujah. Just listen. It'll help you. He said, Brother Scott, you know, you're traveling, preaching. Why don't you take some time off? Why don't you come with me and my sons? We'll go to a hockey game. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really interested. No, I got free tickets. And he pressured, pressured. I said, okay, I'll go with you. So we're in the suburban driving with his sons to the hockey game. And uh, in the hockey game, we get before we get, I said, by the way, who's playing tonight? Uh, <coughs> New Jersey Devils. <coughs> okay, whatever. I got some really good seats, you know, box seats corporate seats okay so i sat down and i look at all these guys these are corporate leaders you know bank of america people and all this stuff and they're just like getting drunk and actually like a bunch of kids i'm like these are guys no wonder th we have problems anyway moving right along and they brought out the stanley cup when they brought out the stanley cup everybody stood up and went oh. i thought it was in a church service and when they scored the first goal that night Everybody's hands went, ah, I thought I was in revival. And the Lord said to me, sports and entertainment is the golden calf of modern society. And I turned to this pastor, I said, let's get out of here. He says, why? I says, I don't want to be here. He says, this is, this is too violent, it's too crazy. People getting into these people, punching each other out, you know. Two Canadians, they act real simple, but when they play hockey, man, eh? Oh, man, those devils are manifesting. I said, listen, I, I don't want my son to see these fights like this. He goes, this is the best part. And I said, you backslidden buzzard, I'm out of here. And to this guy, to this day, this guy totally backslid after that, this pastor. And today he does not believe there was a hell. He went the way of Carlton Pearson. 
See, brothers and sisters, be really careful what you let into the eye gate. And it's okay to sit back and have some little rest. But make sure your rest is something that totally recuperates you but doesn't burden you down. I'm having a hard time right now. I smell a lot of brake pads burning right now. <laughs> trying to help you guys. Come on. I'm not telling you not to do sports. But yeah, I am. Moderation. Okay, let's keep on going. We may come back to this, depending on what the Holy Ghost wants to do. Verse 16, he saw there was no justice. He was no man. He was astonished. There was no one to intercede. And his own arm brought salvation to him. His own righteousness upheld him. And he put on righteous like a breastplate, helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing. Come on, folks. He wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. This is the Ephesian armor. Hang on, folks. This is going to get even better. I'm telling you, what we're about to move into right now is going to bless your socks off. According to their deeds who were paid. Look at verse 19. So they'll fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. The Ephesian prayer armor we're supposed to put on is to God, cause God's people, and especially the sinner, to fear him once again. He will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord will drive. Woo! Hallelujah! Now, if you have King, King Jimmy, King Jimmy, if you have King James translation, people have King James translation. It says what? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord lifts up a standard against him. Okay. Let me just let you know that um, a lot of sermons have been preached on that, but when we discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found out there was a one little jot that was misspelled in the Masoretic text, which King James was the Masoretic text, it was just a little scribal area that changed the word to enemy. When the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered and other parchments, Syriac texts, all these other things, codex, they found out that this word was misspelled accidentally, and that's why the mo more modern translations do not have the word enemy in it. Okay, so I just want you to know that. Don't freak out. Okay? It should be properly quoted. When the Lord comes in like a pent-up flood, hallelujah, which the breath of the Lord drives along. The word enemy is not there. So what we're talking about is God wrapping himself with zeal in this, this Ephesian God prayer armor, hallelujah, and he's going to come suddenly like a flash flood, hallelujah. And the next scripture is when we all get raptured out of here or transformed or taken up or whatever. Look at verse 20. And a redeemer will come to Zion. This is Romans 11, 25 and 26. Paul quotes, and all Israel shall be saved. A redeemer will come to Zion. Hallelujah. So listen, come on. Let's put this all together. Connect the dots. When God's arising and going to war, and tells us to put on that same armor he's going to war in, it's because he wants to do something spontaneously, like a flash flood hitting, hallelujah, for the purpose of Israel being saved. 
That's the quotation Paul uses here. Hallelujah. And that's why Isaiah 60, verse 1, Get up! Arise, shine, for your light has come. Hallelujah. So this is what we're being trajected toward, brothers and sisters. We're in the last days. Isn't that exciting? Hallelujah. However, there is something we need to work on right now. And it's very important. Go with me to Peter, 1 Peter. This is what the Lord gave me during worship. And may everybody have ears to hear, including myself. May we realign ourselves to what God is saying. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You're a chosen race, a peculiar people. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2, 9. A people for God's own possession. I want to be possessed, I said last night. How about you, Brian? I want to be possessed. Wall to wall, Holy Ghost. If the gathering demonic, I could have a legion of demons. I want a legion, so to speak, of the Holy Ghost. If God has given people over to an unclean spirit, Romans 1, okay, I want him to give me over to a clean spirit. Hallelujah. I want. Take over, Lord. I want the elevator to go to the top floor. Hallelujah. For once you are not a people, but now you're a people of God. You've not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Look at verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which do what? Let's talk about the inner war before we conclude tonight. Everybody got their hearing on, the thinking cap, open heart, satellite dish opens up. Okay? The Lord told me to tell you guys, do not underestimate the soulish war that is going on in your lower nature. Many of us blame a lot of things on the enemy, on the devil, when it's really just the soulish fallen nature. Peter says here, abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. So until we have a glorified body, we have a third of us, okay, our body. We have a situation where it does not want to obey God. It doesn't want to submit to the law of God. It does not want to love one another. It doesn't want, come on, folks. And we are commanded to do something about this war within us, and God will take care of the outer war with the principalities and powers and everything else. Let's look at some scriptures on this. Go with me to the book of Romans. I love it. I love what the Lord is doing tonight. Romans chapter 7, verse 6. We'll start at verse 5. Romans 7, 5. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law we're at work in the members of our body to bear fruit to death. So when you come to church and you hear the law of God, the first recourse is to identify sin in your life. Whatever is hidden is exposed when the word of God is preached. Okay? And that's why we have to understand. We've come here for God to expose things. Okay? And if you have a problem with anger, God's going to expose it. It may not happen in the service, but it may happen when you get in the car. Okay? 
Well, I just had a great service last night, Lord, and why am I so mad? Because something was aroused in your lower nature. Now, the Hebrew concept, we have to let's really talk about this. It's so important. That when God made us, he said, Ketov, he says, it is good. So the body is good. Say the body is good. But resident within the body is what is called the lower nature, the sinful nature. The rabbis called it Yetzer Hara or Yetzer HaTov, the good inclination or the evil inclination. Okay? And whichever one you feed wins. Now, it says that God told Noah, because the men's, the, the whole earth is corrupt, okay, remember, full of violence, and Jesus said in the last days will be like this, the days of Noah, right? He says, God looked on the earth, and everybody's evil inclination was bent toward evil. So when a culture or a generation, when they give themselves to the evil inclination rather than the good inclination, that's when judgment begins. Can you say that's happening in California? Is it happening in our media? Folks, come on. Listen, I know it's happened many years ago. Was, uh, was it 10 years ago? When I, I said, mentioned uh, the first year Harry Potter came out, that the first year of Harry Potter's books um, that out, outsold the Bible for the first time in history. The Bible's always been the most selling book worldwide, but Harry Potter that year outsold the Bible. You say, what's wrong with Harry Potter? Duh, wake up, come on, hallelujah. Harry Potter is nothing more than Satan's camouflage attempt to desensitize the minds of our young children and then woo them into a discipleship of sorcery. That's all it is. So we see here that in the Hebrew, our bodies are good. Okay? Don't get Gnostic where they believe the body is bad. Jesus couldn't come in the flesh because the body is evil. Don't begin that Gnosticism, Okay? The body's good. God created you. Hallelujah. He created you just like you are. Come on. Hallelujah. The color of your eyes, the way you look, he made you. Be happy with that. Be thankful. How can you love one another if you don't love yourself? It's in the body, though, is the fallen nature, which is called the lower nature. Another translation says the animal impulses. Okay? That is what we have to conquer and die to, and that is the waging war that is in our members. Look how strong this war is with the great message that Romans is about one of the most powerful apostles ever worked, the apostle Paul. Look what he says here in verse 6. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that which we are bound, so we may serve in newness of the spirit, not in oldness of the letter. The only thing passed away in the law is the sacrificial law. That's what he's talking about. Jesus was the sacrifice. But you should not commit murder, you should not adultery, you should not steal. It's still in force. Some charismatic, some river folk have forgot that. Most of these preachers have forgot it, hasn't it? They get rid of their spouse and get a new one next week. Well, I still feel God's anointing. I still have miracles in my life. God understands. Depraved. 
Why don't, why don't people get more upset about this? Why do I have to seem like some guy who's angry? <laughs> Just quit giving to those ministries. Maybe then they'll repent. Hallelujah. Now, this is powerful. Verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual. Isn't that awesome? The law is pneumaticos. The law is windward. The law is of the spirit realm. It's awesome. Hallelujah. But I am in the flesh sold into bondage of sin. That which I am doing I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Come on, folks. Come on. Come on, you sit down and instead of eating one Dunkin' Donuts, you eat 12 of them and you begin to hate yourself. Why can't I keep doing this? But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing the law is good. So now no longer am I the one who doing it, but sin which indwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my, not body, in my lower nature. You got that? For wishing is present in me, but the doing is good is not. For the good that I wish, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. Come on, folks. Sounds dysfunctional. Come on. Sounds bipolar, doesn't it? Sounds like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in people. Come on. That's exactly what's happening. Don't run from it. This is the war that you've got to conquer, and God will take care of the macro war around you. Hallelujah. Woo! Now, verse 21, I find this principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man. Isn't that awesome? But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war. That's the same Greek word Peter used. We just read a few minutes ago. So abstain from fleshly lust. Let me put a different word instead of waging war. Let me make it more, more dynamic. Military conquest. Abstain from fleshly lusts that are on a military conquest against your mind, will, and emotions. Does that make a little more 911 warning? By the way, Friday is 911 next Friday. I'm trying to hammer this to you. You cannot feed this lower nature. You have, there's only one way to deal with it, and that's to die to it. Die daily. Paul says, I buffet my body, I make it my slave. I don't know how many Christians that are doing that. And that's why we don't have enough warriors or enough Rambos and Ramboettes, come on, to go to the Middle East right now and cast out devils. Hallelujah. Or going down into L.A. and cast devils out of those. Because people keep coming to church to get serviced, coming to a meeting, come on, a conference to feel God's presence, to get flushed, to feel his forgiveness, hallelujah, and then go back and they have the same things repeat and keep repeating themselves, hallelujah, and they never come to a place to be able to do war. They're always in a first aid center because they don't understand the war that's going on. When you never underestimate your enemy, that's what's hammered into us in my unit in Israel. Never underestimate what the Palestinians can do. No matter how much food we give them, how much electricity, come on, water, 
all these good works that Israel is doing trying to show that we're humanitarian to a people that are Muslims that do not want us to live in the Middle East. Come on, folks. It's like feeding a, cleaning out a rattlesnake cage. You never know when that thing's going to strike your hand. Never underestimate. The first thing I did when I moved to Israel, they told me, don't be a friar, which is a Yiddish-German word, which means naive. I didn't understand until about a year later I understood. I understand. I understand now. The man who uh, built our house, he's a wonderful Jewish man and a good friend of mine, and he told me, he says, Shlomo, never trust Arabs. And I said, well, okay, why? He says, I had an Arab man that worked for me for 15 years. He was a brick mason, wonderful Israeli Arab. He's not even a Palestinian, Israeli Arab, okay? And uh, I noticed the last couple of years he started going to the mosque more. And uh, he came to me one day and said, unless you convert to Islam, I have to kill you. And he said, what? He said, I treated you like a son. I took care of you and your family for 15 years. How could you talk to me like that? And he looked at me and says, never trust, because you never know when a Muslim will strike. You say, well, the Muslims are evil, they're wrong, they're bad people. Well, the more that you hear this brainwashing evil, hatred. Come on, where there's division and strife, there's every demonic work. The wisdom is not from above, but from below. And all you hear is hatred toward the Jews and hatred towards you and I in the West and hatred and hatred and hatred. You're going to feed it. When you're a little kid, instead of watching Disney World, you watch how Muslims kill Jews. You read books of the Chronicles of the Elders of Zion, okay? You hear you're fed this conspiracy of this Jewish conspiracy worldwide. Come on, folks, are you there? <coughs> we saw it happen in the last generation in Nazi Germany. Lutherans, Catholics, people singing in Lutheran church in Berlin. A mighty fortress is our God, and they hear the clanking of the Holocaust trains heading to Auschwitz. People screaming, "Help us!" They keep singing louder and louder. You say, folks. If it happened back then, who says it won't happen now? History always repeats itself. You have to get a hold of yourself in this hour. Come on. You cannot trust this lower nature the same way I do not trust any Arab in Israel. We love them. We reach out to them until they get depossessed. Excuse me. There's no way I trust them. Now, there is a revival going on in the Palestinian community right now. Hallelujah. And I don't have, I'm not free to share, uh, share the details with you, but there are people being born again. We've been there. We preach with them. We hug them. We love them. Hallelujah. And there was a lot of demons coming out of people. I'm excited. Hallelujah. They're very superstitious people, by the way. Muslims, are, at least in Israel, they're very superstitious. And so when you can come in and set their kids free from de demons, hallelujah, they really, they become like a lion that you took the the thorn out. You know, they become your life for friend, a friend for life. <laughs> anyway, am I making myself plain and clear tonight? You cannot underestimate the war that's in your lower nature. Verse 23, once again, as we start to conclude, but I see a different law in the members of my body. Waging war. Not a little battle, not a little skirmish, not a little temptation. Waging war. 
against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of his death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, everybody gets excited. Praise God, I'm born again, I'm set free. Come on, folks, don't be naive. Keep on reading. There's no chapter divisions in the Greek. This is one letter, read the whole thing. Come on, hallelujah. The redactors put the chapter and verses there for reference purpose. This means Paul ended the message. Come on, Romans 8.1, you ready? Therefore, there is now no combination to those in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 5 now. I'm going to now tell you why you should be careful about sports and entertainment. Because it says in verse 5, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. When I first got born again, I was so excited about revival and the glory of God and all these wonderful things. I had an elder brother come to me as a new Christian. He says, Brother Scott, you're imbalanced. And I was trying to be teachable. Well, why am I imbalanced? He says, you're so spiritual, you're no earthly good. He said that to you? He needs a whooping. And I was, I was hurt. I was like, God, the Bible says that we keep seeking the things which are above, you know. Where Christ is at the right hand of God. The Bible says so many full things about being zealous and in love with you and worship all the time, rejoice all the time. I mean, who is this guy? You know what the Lord said to me? It's so funny. He said, don't listen to him. I went to my closet. I was crying. A literal walk-in closet. I was crying as a new believer. And the Lord said, don't listen to him. If you were not spiritual, you wouldn't be any earthly good for me. I said, give me five, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to ratchet up the RPMs. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I haven't stopped. Glory to God. Because those people that say that, it's because they're not living in this realm. They're living because they think that you're weird or you may have, you know, do this. or It's all fear-based why they say these things. You may scare people away or you're not balanced or whatever. These people are the turkeys. You cannot surround, uh, you cannot fly like an eagle if you're surrounded by turkeys. You say, what's it between a turkey and an eagle Christian? Eagles hunt, turkeys just eat. <laughs> now, verse 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death. There it is, right there. The mind, not set on your body. Come on, we have to wake up. We have to eat. We have to shower. We have to shave. We have to take care of our kids. We have all these things going on. And they're not carnal activities. It's just life, okay? Quit being so weirded out that they're carnal. Come on, hallelujah. It's life. But we're talking here about the lower nature resident within us that wants to eat the whole box of Dunkin' Donuts, okay? <laughs> We're talking about the nature within us that just wants to argue for the sake of arguing. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. You know how it is, ladies. Because the mind set on the flesh, verse 7, is hostile towards God. We started these meetings talking about we want to please God. 
But we cannot please God if we're going to walk according to the brain tissue because God is not a brain wave, he's a spirit. And if we're going to be conformed to this world and not conformed to, by the renewing of our mind and putting to death the lower sinful nature within us, then we are hostile to God and he hates us. I'm just reading the Bible, folks. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. However, this is where it gets really good. This is where the hope is, right here. This is where we have the escape clause. This is where we have the answer, hallelujah, to a lot of problems that happen. Glory to God. Woo! However, you're not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in in you but if anyone does not have the spirit of christ he does not belong to him and if christ is in you through the body is dead because of sin yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness but the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which indwells you so then brethren we're not under obligation to the lower nature living according to the flesh Verse 13 is the key how to stop this war. Not to stop it from, you know, cease cessation, but to stop it to win it. Because you've got to get up next morning and keep on dealing with it. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. If you are living by the impulses of what you want, okay, the Bible says you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we're coming in here to get refilled with the Spirit, to learn more about the Holy Spirit, for the purpose is to put to death that lower nature within us. Hallelujah. And we can do it by the Spirit, not through a religious, you know, observances, ceremonies, you know, whatever. It's through the Spirit. That's why these meetings are so awesome. Holy Ghost meetings it builds inside of us the ability, hallelujah, to live holy and live pure, hallelujah. It gives us the power over this waging war within us, hallelujah, that has shipwrecked many Christians right now. For all who are being led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So I would say by the context, if you are not by the Holy Spirit, even though you say you're born again, you believe in Jesus, okay, the demons even believe in Jesus, okay? <laughs> If you are not living a crucified lifestyle to this lower nature and by the Spirit putting to death the deeds of the body, then you're not a son and daughter of God. The context here is not they who speak in tongues are the children of God. It's those who by the Spirit. What, what's the context? The Spirit putting to death the deeds of the lower nature. Come on, hallelujah. Those who by the Spirit are putting to death this lower nature, this waging war, they're fighting this war by the Spirit. Hallelujah. They're the sons and daughters of God. Awesome. I love it. Hallelujah. Is that awesome? I love it. Because we're getting baptized, refilled in these meetings. Hallelujah. We're going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. How about this? From freedom to freedom. Hallelujah. How about from conquering to conquering? And our army hindrance is not the enemy. Our hindrance is like, you know, six inches below us or something, our nose. 
in our body is a war going on. And by the Spirit, hallelujah, we take control. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh -huh. If I can do it, you can do it. I'm not preaching something that's theory. I live this. I love it. Hallelujah. But I'm not living like some monk, okay? In a cave, you know? We know how to enjoy life. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 9. Verse 24. You guys are lovely, doing a great job tonight. Getting the brake pads changed tonight. Tires rotated. Hallelujah. Verse 24. Do you not know those who run in a race all run? But only one receives the prize? How many people have not seen that video, Run the Race? You have not seen the video, Run the Race? No, the one, the Olympic thing. A few here have not seen it? Okay, we'll get ready to put it on here in a couple minutes. Fire that thing up. Run in a way that you may win. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Run in a way that you may run. Folks, hallelujah. This is a race. goes on and says, Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. You know, when I was competing for the Olympics, man, I had to watch, I had a dietician that would tell me how many olives I could have each day. I could only have five of the beautiful, delicious olives from Israel. I could only have five every morning. That was it. Made me mad at first. <laughs> and the cappuccino was awesome in Israel. And no more falafel. Ah, and hummus. I forget about hummus. But I had to do that if I wanted to gain the prize. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. I just want to hang out with some eagles that want to do the same thing. That's all. Hallelujah. We just want to cut off some things that don't mean anything for eternity. Hallelujah. You know, innocent amusements. You know, Charles G. Finney said the greatest enemy of revival is innocent amusements. Things that don't, aren't good nor bad, but they don't do nothing for eternity in your life. You know what I'm saying? I just want to, come on, just get really streamlined. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. You know, we went swimming this afternoon right before we came to the service, you know, jump in the pool and swimming. And Steve asked me, can you, you know, show me a little lessons in the pool? And I was just trying to get him more aerodynamic in the pool. That's it. Just a little couple things, you know, keep your elbow up, little things like that. And you'll be amazed how just a little change in position will get you more going faster it's not how much energy you're going in the water it's just how much you can pull through this mass of cold water hallelujah are you with me hallelujah let's get more aerodynamic let's make these little changes it goes on and says everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things they do it to receive a perishable with we and imperishable you think i sit there and did all this training this triathlon iron man stuff okay torture myself at times okay Get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and try to get this stuff done before the kids went to school. 
and still do counterterrorism and raids, okay, and still preach and still have to cast out devils, hallelujah, and still send out emails and still writing seven books. I'm writing, I got seven books inside of me and still do have five kids, hallelujah. Why did I do this just to get at some stupid medal? Bragging rights at the local bicycle shop? Come on. I did it at first because I knew I needed cosmetic change. Nothing wrong with that. I was 45 pounds overweight. I needed to get that stuff off quick. Okay? And there was no good liposuction in Israel, okay? I don't know where that came from. God said, get in shape. How many people God's been telling you to start working out? I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Why? There's a principle. It's not just for health, not just to combat diabetes. Come on. It's something more here. And look what Paul says here. He says, verse 26, Therefore I run in such a way, not without aim. I box in a way, not beating the air. I buffet my body. I make it my slave. You're going to have to get out of the sedentary lifestyle, the comfort zone of America. Hallelujah, where we drive everywhere and we sit in front of a computer and we do this and we do that and we don't get our pl a place where we know how to make our body our slave. Come on. I'm just here to tell you the good news, folks. Hallelujah. There is a realm of war that's waging against us that we can take control by the Holy Ghost and also some physical exertion. Paul says, I buffet my body. The Greek word here is I bruise it. Interesting, huh? I make it my slave. It's amazing stuff here, folks. I wish they would have taught me this when I was in Bible school. There's something about telling your body to shut up. There's something about getting up when you don't feel like it. Hallelujah. It's Come on, folks. There's something about laboring, because we don't live in an agricultural-based society. If you look at the Bible, everything here is agricultural-based. They walked everywhere, unless they were rich and had a donkey. Come on. They worked hard. In all labor, there's profit. And there is a scripture here, and some of you may have read the email, where it says, bodily exercise profiteth little. Have you heard that scripture before? And when I was a young Christian, we used to go out and running and all this stuff, the Soul Patrol group, and, you know, we just wanted to keep our bodies not cosmetically a certain way. We just wanted to be in good shape because if we were out all night preaching, we didn't want to, you know, falter in the race. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. And we knew that there was things, times that we were doing things that we didn't want to be out of breath, you know especially if we're chasing somebody up the stairs that's possessed. I'm serious. In, in operations that we didn't want to get out of breath, we wanted to be in better shape than that person was because these demons start to manifest through people, supernatural strength and stuff, and sometimes you've got to run them down and, you know, jump on them and whatever. Another, another time, another day, another testimony, okay? And we didn't go and get into martial arts, by the way, okay? Martial arts is from hell, okay? I know personally there's no such thing as Christian karate. Give me a break. Get set. We can pray for you to get set free from that stuff, okay? 
First of all, I have a very, very good friend in, in France who is a, um, in a violent punk gang in Normandy. And he became a black belt in karate, got into all the fighting clubs and all that stuff. And he was able to do supernatural things. And he said when he got born again that it took a long time. It took like six months to get all the devils out of him. And when he came to America to preach for the first time, he was shocked to see churches having, you know, Christian karate on Tuesday night at the church. Brothers and sisters, you cannot take on, if you want to get exercise, don't do karate, please. Thank you for your great enthusiasm out there right now. It's not from God, folks. We can talk about this later if you'd like. I don't want to sit here. Come on. Maybe just one person here giving me the bad vibes, you know, and I don't want to start preaching to convince that one person. I ain't going to stop for this one person right now. We got everybody else here. Hallelujah. Let's keep moving forward here. And if you want to talk about it later, get your Bible and meet in the alley. Hallelujah. It's the bottom line. I'm going to show you what the Bible says, and that's it. And don't flare up and get mad at me because you just got exposed from God. He wants shining some light in a dark area in your life. Come on. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. What do you need karate for? You need the Holy Ghost. Well, what if somebody attacks me? Well, come on. Hallelujah. You're going to get in the flesh, you get beat up. How about just walking in the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. We're in there with all these serial murdering terrorists, and I never had to try to figure out what I learned with an orange belt. <laughs> I watched that karate movie. And what? what is going on with people's minds right now? Why do we need a certain violent activity to, for exercise? I can really go this way, but I don't want to, though. I buffet my body. I make it my slave. If you're not doing that, tonight is the night to start the war against this war going on within you. Hallelujah. So the Lord's been telling people here to start exercising. Hallelujah. And uh, you're not going to exercise and make your body your slave by something that's comfortable. You're going to need to do something that's going to make you not want to do it. <laughs> and you're going to do it the hard way, not the easy way through liposuction or something cosmetic, okay? You're going to start working out again. I told you just a few minutes ago, but I was bound by this brothers coming to us, ministers actually, when we had the Soul Patrol, and tell us, you guys are running too much during the week. And he began to project to us that we were carnal because we were running so much in the mornings. And then used that scripture, just like the devil uses scriptures, and said, bodily exercise profit little. Have you heard that before? Well, I want you to know this, that when he says bodily exercise profit little, he was not talking about bodily exercise working out physically, okay? He was actually talking about the Gnostics in the chapter right at the stop that were telling people not to get married anymore, not to eat certain foods, doctrines of demons, okay? 
and they were subjecting their body to a certain exercise because they felt like they would get holy that way. And Paul was attacking that. He was not talking about physical exercise. Come on, folks. We just break some people free right now. Hallelujah. There's a, the teachings in greater depth on our website called Bodily Exercise Profit of Little. You can read about it. You can look it up. Linguistic key to the Greek New Testament will show you the exact word usage by Paul has nothing to do with physical exercise. It had to do with a religious ceremony going on with the Gnostics. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. So because we're not an agricultural society, we have to do some extra work here. Hallelujah. And what I like about the physical exercise part is that you can lose weight. You can get back in shape. You can extend your life. Thank God. Hallelujah. You can be ready for war, hallelujah, and at the same time, you'll start becoming more sensitive to the inner man, the Holy Ghost living within you, hallelujah, and you'll be able to separate. You'll know what is your flesh and what is the spirit. And that is our responsibility, not God's. Because I told you the day I came here, I said, um, I woke up early in the morning, I just had a triathlon, God told me to get involved in this thing, for those who don't know, I was not a happy camper getting up at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, hallelujah, you purchased those tickets, it was totally God, hallelujah, for me, and I had to catch a flight, and I did not want to catch the flight, I wanted to pay the $100, I wanted to sleep for 4 or 5 more hours and come out here at a later time that day, okay, and the Holy Ghost, I know the Holy Ghost voice, hallelujah, and I know the voice of my body, I know what my body, I know when it says, I want to eat all those donuts, the whole rack in 7-Eleven, all the Krispy Kreme. You know what I'm saying? Come on, hallelujah. And I know when my body says, I don't want to push the extra mile, and I don't want to swim today. And now you just have to get yourself up. How many people, you wake up in the morning, you don't want to go to work? Welcome to the human race, hallelujah. It's awesome. But why do you get up and go to work? You have to. And what's our basis? It's really fear-motivated. If I don't go to work, I get fired, and I can't pay the car payment or the house payment. Right? So why have to be motivated by fear-based? Why not be motivated by love-based? Hallelujah. How many people the Lord's been waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. to pray? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, I love you. <laughs> so we see God is signaling. He's speaking to us. Hallelujah. But the main static interference is this lower nature. Hallelujah. And it's crazy. I'm telling you, the flesh is crazy. And here I am. I am tired. I don't want to get up, okay? But the Holy Ghost said, catch that flight. And you know when God speaks to you. You know what I'm saying? And if you have this extra physical exercise going on in your life, you have the extra weapon like Paul did to make your body its, uh, your slave. That's the biggest problem I have found in my Christian walk is that for too long I gave my body too much of a comfort zone. Let's be honest tonight. Come on. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just trying to get you ready for war. Hallelujah. And we have to make our body our slave. That means in terms of diet. And don't get upset at me, but I just somebody just sent me an email Three weeks before I came back here. And it said Center for Disease Control, okay, has projected that by 2015, okay, just a few years from now, that 75% of Americans will be overweight. And of that 75%, 44% will be obese. 
And they say they're now labeling obesity as a greater danger than heart disease, smoking, diabetes, cancer, anything else. But it's something we can stop, folks. Come on, don't, get, don't look at me like, come on, that I fell out of a tree or something. If I can lose 40-plus pounds, so can you. But it's going to take some discipline. And where are you going to get the discipline? Just because you want to cosmetically look better? No, it's not going to happen. Your flesh is too strong for that. Because I want to look good? No, your flesh is too strong for that. Because my doctor says if I don't get, get it right, I could die. It, your flesh is too strong for that. It's fear, you're going to die. No, people still keep smoking. No matter what the doctor says. There has to be something else that clicks in. Hallelujah. And I believe it is when you recognize that you can win this war by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. If you'll just apply some pressure. Hallelujah. At the right areas and make yourself uncomfortable where your flesh has ruled before. Listen, folks, if I call for a barbecue, look how many people show up. If I call for an all-night prayer meeting, how many people show up? It's right away. It's not asking God if I want to go or not. It's like, do I feel comfortable or not? The furniture we choose for our homes is based on comfort, not so much on how it looks and the decor. We build a house, everybody puts so much energy in building a master bedroom or a master bath or the kitchen. Why not a master prayer closet? Hallelujah. Because, folks, we have been conditioned, and we are in the last days. Come on. Hallelujah. And in the last days, there's doctrines of demons being released, and Satan will do all he can. And Satan's only trigger point in your life is to inflame your lower nature. Come on. Hallelujah. Remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. He's right. The enemy is looking for those weaknesses, and that's why when you're filled with the Spirit in meetings like this, God sends you, drives you back into your wilderness to take on the devil. Hallelujah. Turn these rocks into, into bread. Get behind me, Satan. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. And Now, this is what's cool. Once you die to something, you don't have to re-die to it. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Once you die, it's dead. I am not tempted there's, I, I can go through a list of things. I used to tempt me. I'm not even tempted anymore because I died to it. That is not even a temptation anybody can throw at me anymore. Because that man is dead. That temptation is dead. It didn't work. Hallelujah. Because by the Spirit, I died. Hallelujah. And that death to self built up an asbestos layer. Hallelujah. I buffet my body, I make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself to be disqualified. And the Greek word for disqualified here, according to the Greek linguistic key of the Greek New Testament, Zondervan Press, Franz Rineker is a publisher, I mean editor, excellent book. You don't need to learn Greek, just read that book, it's enough what you, it's enough what you need. This book says, this verse here, disqualified is used of coins in the ancient Greek world that could not pass the test of fire. <laughs> they were rejected or kept. They were disqualified, thrown out or kept. And Paul is saying here, I don't want to be disqualified. Now, 
what is the prayer that will superimpose a move of God into your belly, hallelujah, to overcome the lower nature that will keep you on the cutting edge of death to self, hallelujah, that, whoa, that will keep you from entering into temptation. Are you ready? Now, I could have started the service with this, but I want to wait till the end. Hallelujah. Matthew, let's go. Matthew 27, as we conclude tonight. Rokutubakatai. Rongda kutumata. Jingere de kututu. Arakapapapa. Excuse me, Matthew 26. Are you ready? This is the shortcut on your desktop right now. This is the shortcut, folks. I love it. I could have just said this and we all go home, but you wouldn't have caught it unless we took the long route. This is the shortcut on your desktop. Double click on it. Verse 41. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Does that mean that we come here and we just pray? And then we get into worry tongues, which is not tongues at all. It's just your soulish person. Thank you, Lord. Amen. What is the prayer that we need to keep praying to keep us out of this temptation zone? The next verse right before it. You ready? Verse 39. And he went a little beyond them fell on his face. Isn't that awesome? He didn't fall on his knees. He fell on his face. Wow. And prayed, Abba, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass through me. Yet not my will, but thy will be done. Come on, folks. Look at verse 41. Keep watching and praying. What is the prayer Jesus wants us to pray that causes the Spirit to take ascendancy over our flesh that's weak is Lord not my will your will be done come on we got to stay in the yes but not yet we need to stay right on the cutting edge of Lord I don't want to go to Africa and preach for the rest of my life but not my will your will be done Lord I don't want to live in Paso Robles another day but not my will thy will be done come on hallelujah Lord, I do not want to stop eating these donuts, but not my will, your will be done. Hallelujah. And praying that prayer infuses your inner man with the strength, hallelujah, that you... It's bottom line, folks, right there. Hallelujah. Death to self. Now, how do we get to that place? His spirit. Remember we read in Romans, it says, by the Spirit we're putting death to deeds of the Lord. By all who are being led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. What's the next verse? You have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear, but you received the spirit where we cry out, Abba! Come on. Say Abba! Abba! Ah, Abba! Quit calling God Father for now. It's the Hebrew word Abba. Father, okay, Father. But Abba in Hebrew means daddy. You don't come to you don't come and say, Father, may I have the keys to the car? Are you driving yet? Not yet? Okay, well, not yet. <laughs> say dad. Come on. Papa. Come on. In Hebrew, 
The word father is Av. Say Av. av. Like Avraham. But Abba is a play on words. It's a little, it's a, it's a, it's a play where a baby says, baby, baby doesn't say Av. He says, Abba, 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 Come on, are you catching it? It's a word of endearment. It's not just father, it's daddy. Come on, hallelujah. It's papa. Don't look at me like that. Hallelujah. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm possessed with Abba. When you pray, oh God, help me, oh God, 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 where are you? But if you start saying Abba, 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 Daddy, Daddy. He has not sent, what is this Holy Ghost Spirit? Let the kids cry out, but whatever, I don't care. Hallelujah, I got five of them. <laughs> Come on, let's, let's recap this. Because I want it to seal it inside of you. Hallelujah, and you can run the race. And I'll come to your meetings. Hallelujah. God has not given us the spirit of fear leading us to slavery. But he's given us the spirit. We cry out, Abba, Daddy. That's the spirit that we use to put to death the deeds of the lower nature. And all who are being led by this spirit are the true sons of God. So how did Jesus get through this test? God in the flesh. The logos in flesh. Come on. He was still human. But he did not want to do it. You know when you don't want to do something, that is your test. You've got to pass. And the only way to pass it is say, Daddy. Come on. The only way to pass it is to go, Daddy. Everybody say that. The only way to pass it is to say, Abba. <laughs> Abba, take this cup from me. It's okay to say to God, you know, God, I don't want to stop eating these donuts. I like them. Especially they don't have donuts in Israel. God's not mad at you if you say the truth. I got a war going on inside of me. I like to sit around and watch golf 5, 15, 20 hours a day. That's not me, but I'm the same for somebody else. All right, and my therapy is to go out shopping, ladies, okay? I go out shopping. That's my therapy. Wait, 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 wait. You can say, God, I have this problem. Quit always saying, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Oh, God, help me, help me, help me, help me. Say, Abba, I have this problem. I want to be honest. And take it from me. But not my will your will be done because Abba knows best and God you know best and I'm going to keep praying this prayer and I'm not going to hang around Christians that fall asleep during my time of testing could you not tear with me one hour what, is, what does that mean Jesus needed prayer back up hallelujah come on folks and if Jesus needs prayer back why are you listening out there if Jesus needed prayer backup how much does our brother and sister sitting here tonight need us to surround him and they need extended meetings hallelujah and they need this church to be open hallelujah because we need to help them in their dark time of hour and but how can we help if we don't tell us what's going on in your life 
You just come in and sit in the back and leave, and we don't know anything about you. What kind of fellowship is that? You know what fellowship is? Two fellows at a ship. Well, I serve God. You know, I'm not plugged in anywhere. Come on. You've got to be plugged in. You need iron sharpens iron. You need brothers and sisters. You need a situation, hallelujah, where you can confess your faults to one another and pray for one another and be healed. Amen. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If it, your prayers aren't availing, it's because you're not confessing your sins to one another. It's so simple. Well, what will people think? Who cares what they think? Hallelujah. If you care what people think, then don't get out of bed in the morning. Just stay there the rest of your life. You've got to get into this environment. Hallelujah. And you don't surround yourself with a bunch of turkeys. You surround yourself with eagles. You surround yourself with on-fire Christians. Hallelujah. You don't hang out with these people at work, okay? They're not your friends. And you need to come into a situation, hallelujah, where a family develops. Hallelujah. Where a, a, a community, a living body. Woo! Mahata. And in that place, you say, we got to pray for Brother Joe right now. What's going on? Well, he just, you know, God has him in a trial right now, and he's dealing with an area in his life. Hallelujah. Let's support him in prayer that he can pass this test and get to the place where he says, not my will, thy will be done. And then the Spirit of God triggers a strength that overcomes his lower nature. The Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Hallelujah. And he has just died. He has just combated. He has just won something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyway, to be continued. Hallelujah. We're talking about what's pleasing God this week. Hallelujah. Are you learning something? Yes. I'm learning something because when I'm preaching to you, I'm getting preached to. Hallelujah. I'm hearing these emails from heaven. Glory to God. This is, let's just read it one more time. It's so powerful. Verse 38. He said, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. When people are desperate in your life, it's called godly sorrow. It doesn't mean necessarily something's wrong. You know, I have been very burdened. I've wrote in my emails lately. I've been very joyful, but at the same time very burdened coming back to America because I see what's happening in our country, and I feel the weepings of Jeremiah. I feel ashamed at times to be American. I see what's happening in our culture, and uh, it's not because I didn't take Prozac or my Valiums or whatever. Give me a break. I don't take medication. I don't need that stuff. Amen. If you need, if you take a medication, we can help you. Hallelujah. We can get some chemical balance inside of you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And the joy of the Lord, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Amen. Get that bubbling joy up there. Hallelujah. We won't need those funny pills from the doctor anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you for your enthusiasm tonight, but it's the truth. Whoa. And I began to weep. I just started weeping at times. Why? It's because there is a point inside. God is wanting intercession. God is wanting, come on, hallelujah. But it's also I'm noticing something's changing inside of me, that he's bringing me to a place. And I was weeping. I was like, you know, you know, man, what's happened to this country? I can't make it back to America. I mean, back to Israel. 
And I noticed that the weeping was happening a few weeks ago. It's because God wanted me to stay here because I don't want to be here. I want to be home with my family. I want to be doing shofar drive-bys at night along the green line where all the mosques are. Hallelujah. I want to go hunting. I want to go on a safaris with the special units. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to go to Iran. Hallelujah. And Syria and come back. Hallelujah. A lot of fun stuff to do in Israel. I want to be there. My son's in a commando unit. Pray for him, by the way. He's in his third week, and, man, things are getting ratcheted up, and he'll be a fine officer right now in the future. But right now, he's, uh, he's going through some testings. Hallelujah. He doesn't want to leave. He just misses mama's food. <laughs> I know what he's eating. It's not, not fun. But he needs it. He needs the discipline. When Paul talks about discipline, he talks about soldiers, athletes, and farmers. Endure hardness as a good soldier. But then I realized that I was in a place where I did not want to stay here. You know, I didn't want to come back. I just wanted to get home, do some meetings and head home. And the Lord was saying, you need to stay longer in America. I don't want to, Lord. I want to go home. You understand that? You understand, you understand what I'm talking about? And I understand that the godly sorrow was on me because he was bringing me to another point of death. Paul says, death works in us, but life in you. And I, and I know the ebbs and flows of these things, and I recognize, okay, Lord, I'll stay longer. Hallelujah. Not my will. Your will be done. Hallelujah. And through that step of obedience, hallelujah, I start getting flooded with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Fifty Holy Ghost martinis would hit me. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so when you're in the sorrow, when you're in a place of transition, and you have grief in your heart, hallelujah, it doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong. It just means that you're being, moving to the place of execution. Hallelujah. You're moving to the place of putting yourself on the altar again, putting your Isaac on the altar. Hallelujah. And learn to say, to shortcut this whole process, and quit calling all the prayer counselors and all, everybody, all these situations, just say, Lord, Abba, not my will, your will be done. And then through that death process, hallelujah, whew, glory to God, in the hour of darkness, God will use you. Hallelujah. Jesus is the, is the pattern. He's the prototype. We're following his drafting. We're following his steps. Hallelujah. This is it. How many people here God's been leading you to into a place where not my will, but your will be done? Hallelujah. Well, we're all 100% on the same page, aren't we? Hallelujah.
I want to thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord, save me, forgive me, cleanse me, take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray, amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, You may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.